Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth there. And it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife. So welcome, everybody, to another episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark, and Matt Macklin. I had to do that a second time. That was a second take, which is the first time I think I've ever had to do that on this podcast. The reason being that I don't really know what the fuck is happening because I've just got back from I just got back from Las Vegas about an hour ago. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Um, it was absolutely fantastic to be out there for the week. I loved every second of it. But the result is that it's Monday afternoon, but it feels kind of like it could be between any time on Sunday through to kind of Monday morning, anyone who's come back from that side of the Atlantic will know will know the feeling of of jet lag. But it's a small price to pay. Um, extraordinary scenes at the T-Mobile Arena last Saturday, and it completes two weeks of of of, of top action at heavyweight. Um, and we were both there at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, and Matt watched the fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder as well, of course. So we just thought we'd just give a a look back at all of that really and, and and pick the bones out of it as to what it all means and and where it will where it will take us. Um first of all, what was what was the what was the feeling about Fury Wilder during the week back home, back in the UK? Because when when you're over there, when you're in the middle of something, it's difficult to get a sense of 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 what the build-up was like. I spoke to Andy Scott, he he WhatsApp me when I was over there and just said there's a real big fight feel about this in the UK. He was saying, you know, it's kind of wall-to-wall coverage if you're a boxing fan it's everywhere you look and and it really you know it was it, it kind of took on a life of its own I feel like it gathered momentum quickly the back end of the week I thought the first half of the week was slow but the second half of the week all of a sudden everyone was talking I think after the press conference and 
you know, Fury got in his face a bit, Bob Arum lost his shit. <laughs> it was, you know, there was some funny bits then. So, uh, you know, that started going mm. round. And I think, you know, the talk started to pick up definitely at that point. Um, look, I think because Fury walked through him, basically, didn't he, in the second fight, ragdolled him and beat him up. It was, I think, but most people thought. And then, obviously, Wilder kind of sacking Mark Breland, looked like he refused to accept how and why he got beaten and was looking for excuses. I think people just assumed or presumed that Fury's just going to get through. I've got to be honest, when he came in at 17 stone, I thought, this is a shootout. This fight is not going past three or four rounds. <laughs> and it was a bit of a shootout and it looked like that. But I've got to say, he showed, you know, Wilder showed some bustle and grit you know, he did not roll over and lie down. He was getting beaten up and hurt, and he's dug in there. And actually, nearly had Fury out of there. Like when he hit Fury with that shot and his leg stiffened, shows shows you what a good chin Fury's got, and also his powers of recovery. Because I don't think there's too many other heavyweights that would have took would have taken that shot. No, absolutely. It was it was both of them. Both of them have just got unbelievable whiskers because Fury's been knocked down four times by Deontay Wilder. Uh, and it hasn't resulted in a defeat. I mean, if you're Wilder, that that just that just sends you into a tailspin, doesn't it? Because four knockdowns for him is generally that means four wins. And and yeah, I mean, when he came in at 17 stone, we weren't surprised because we'd seen him during the week, and you could tell that he packed a bit of muscle on. But you knew at that point that what the plan was going to be. And he did keep himself to himself during the week. He didn't really want to engage with Fury. People were looking at it and saying. Oh, that means he lacks confidence and and he doesn't believe in himself and all the rest of it. For me, it was slightly different um, to the rest of my Talksport colleagues I was with. They were they were kind of more in 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 that camp. Um, Adam Catterall, Gareth Gareth Davis, Nick Pete, who I was working with, great team of lads. Had had, had a brilliant brilliant time. But I, I, the way I looked at it more was all right. That that could that could turn out to be the case. But it reminded me a bit of a bit of Frotch Groves too, where Frotch decided. I, ca- I cannot waste any emotional energy dealing with Groves in the build-up. I just can't. Like he's he's better at that than me. And with Wilder, I just thought it was that. He's, he's just thought, I, I can't. Like he rates himself as a trash talker, Wilder. But I think it, maybe Malik Scott said to him, "Listen, just don't, just don't, because it's it, it's it will just sap you. It will annoy you. It will irritate you." And so he just withdrew from it um, right the way up until the fight, because he took ages to come out of his dressing room. And that's it. Spot on. In a nutshell, exactly, and the great uh, comparison to the Frotch Groves, that was it. He just, both of them realised, I fucked up last time getting into the trash talking. He's better at it than me. And he wound me up and he fucking gnawed me. And he he, he took my focus off the fight. (laughs) He fucking, he had me over. I'm not doing it again. I'm just not getting into it. Yeah, there's no, there's just no point like tangling with Fury in that kind of, in that kind of, setting just none at all at the press conference what was a bit weird about the week was that there were no you know without the UK fans there was nobody at the grand arrivals basically they they were outside at the T-Mobile um, but the T-Mobile if people know it is kind of off the strip so there's not really that much footfall there um, and without the Brits who would be there and know it was there and would go there specifically for it there really wasn't anybody there and then the press conference was down in the MGM Grand Garden Arena, in the actual arena, in the corner. And it was kind of built for TV. They made it into a TV um, programme. And, and Fury just kind of, he just bossed it. He, he took the mic, he, he was on his feet. Wilder 
like I say, he, he made a thing of having the headphones and playing with his phone. And, and, you know, I thought Kate Abdo did a really good job with it. Um, but Bob Arum decided that she was biased and then fired off a Mike Coppinger. And, you know, that was, you know, it all got quite interesting from that point onwards. Um, but it, it did have a slightly odd feel about it. But, but I think it was basically because there were no UK fans. There were no, there were no UK fans. But then on the night, you know, it was, it, it was pretty full. Um, and, and a bit like Joshua Rusick, it was really at the weigh-in that things started to pick up, that you started to feel like you're in the middle of something, in the middle of something big. But then, of course, the fight was just, you know, we were talking during the week about how if this was a really good fight, then then that trilogy would would rank alongside, you know, any of them, really. No, up there. No, it's up there. I mean, you've got to you think about it. The first fight was was it was was brilliant because it had the two knockdowns. It had Fury getting up in the 12th round when he looked out. So, you know, controversial draw. I think most people felt Fury won the fight. I certainly thought he won the fight. Um, so they do the rematch. But actually the rematch wasn't, it wasn't mandated. It wasn't a rematch clause. They, 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 they both agreed to do the rematch. So when they did the rematch, it was a separate deal of which there was a rematch clause. But then Fury absolutely goes through him like a knife through butter. Then all the bizarre excuses and conspiracy theories from Team Wilder, sacking Mark Breland, you know, all that shit happened. You know, it didn't really look like the rematch clause was gonna that the rematch was gonna happen. It didn't look like Wilder wanted it, and everyone started moving. And then after I think a certain period of time, top rank as far as they were aware, from a legal standpoint, were okay to push forward. It had expired and they were ready to move forward and do the uh, AJ. Purify, which then all the negotiations happen with that, <laughs> goes to arbitration, Wilder wins, and all of a sudden, Fury Wilder 3 happens. Now, I, I, I think this week, the week just gone, like I say, there was a lot of people, I don't think too many people really gave Wilder that much of a chance. But I think as it was getting closer, a few people were speaking up, saying, nah, I fancy Wilder. And that gets, you know, we can all be a little bit like sheep. We can all be swayed. At certain moments, and I think people will start to think, "Oh, maybe." Oh, yeah, actually. Then when he comes in as heavy as he did, I thought that was a bad thing for Wilder. I thought he's going to be absolutely gassy he's in like three, four rounds. He'll either have Fury out of there, or his tongue will be hanging out, and he ain't going to do twelve rounds. So, it, oh, but, but nonetheless, it's a talking point, isn't it? It's a talking point. So, I think the, the talk and the hype definitely gathered momentum, kind of Thursday, Friday, and actually Saturday then. There was a great show in Liverpool with a couple of crackers on. Liam Smith and Fowler was a ding dong, lived up to all expectations. And so, and, and you know, Cheeseman Williamson was a cracker. So, you know, from my point, my, my, I was, my plan was I'm going to go back to bed and get up. But then I was, I was kind of wired after the Fowler <laughs> Smith's fight. Shit, it's two o'clock in the morning now. I'm going to be knackered in a bit. So I managed to get like an hour or, or, or an hour and a half and then woke up. But now the Wilder Fury, I don't think. Even the people that were like intrigued, and even the people that thought Wilder was going to win, I don't think anyone predicted we'd get the fight that we got, which was a fucking up and down, back and forth. Didn't I? No, it wasn't the most. It wasn't the most uh, stylistic finesse, but it was a fucking. <laughs> in terms of drama and excitement, fucking hell. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, you know, the, the undercard was pretty good as well. Actually, Hellenius with a with a big win against Kalnaki. We saw Jared Anderson 
Um, you know, Frank Sanchez against FA Jag, but it was all about the main event as, as, as it always is. But the T-Mobile is great because it's really, really steep. You know, it's, it's like the O2 in kind of dimensions, but it's steeper. Um, it, it's a good arena, a really good arena. And, and the ring walks were great. Fury's ring walk with the whole Sparta thing, you know, with the kind of like came in like Leonidas with the big beard. And that was tremendous. Wilder taking a little while to come out of his dressing room, apparently because he wanted to change his gloves, even when he was gloved up. You know, that was, we didn't know that at the time down at, down at ringside. You know, it's pretty tight down at ringside. The talk sport we had, ESPN Deportes on our left, top rank on our right, uh, BT away to our left, ESPN in front of us. It, it was, you know, it was, there wasn't that much space, but, but I love that because it makes you feel like, you know, you're right in the middle of something. You're really in the, in the bear pit. And, and, and the fight, like you say, was when he did come in heavy, we thought it would be a shootout uh, and, and that he might gas after four five, five rounds. And he did, but, but he just hung in there somehow. And that, that rounds three and four, I mean, I mean, what, what do you say about about that? I mean, Round four, particularly, where he looked, he looked done. Wilder, he looked, he looked absolutely, he looked cooked. Uh, and then he puts Fury down twice, and Fury just manages to get up from both of them. I mean, it's just he is. I think, the, and the bell came at a good time. Yeah, yeah, but you could say so much about the pair of them. But Fury now is, you know, he's definitely the best heavyweight on the planet. I think he's proven that beyond beyond any doubt. He beats Usyk because. He's a bigger version of him, essentially. The man is, he is, you know, I've taken some convincing about him because more as a kind of, as a person rather than a fighter, because it didn't really sit that well with me when he made his comeback, that all of a sudden he became, he became this, this people's champion and everybody had forgotten earlier indiscretions. And I'm not saying that somebody should be hauled over the coals for the rest of their life for mistakes they've made in years gone by, but some of the things he said for which he never properly apologized. He went down the route of, Oh, I'm sorry if you were offended by me saying that that's not an apology. That's like you punching me in the face and then telling me that you're, 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 you're sorry if I didn't like it. Um, so that never really, I, I didn't like that. Um, but I do understand why he didn't really want to revisit it after he made the comebacks. It was a very painful part of his, of his, of his life as, as we, as we discovered subsequently. But through his words and his deeds, I now do, you know, I think he's proven that he's, he's, he's evolved as a person. He's, he's, he's grown, he's learned, and he now is an admirable character, I think, uh, and, a good, and a good role model in a lot of ways. And added to that, he's now an amazing fighter to watch, which, let's be honest, outs- in, if you weren't a purist, he didn't used to be, did he, really? No, I mean, listen, a couple of things there. Like you say, w- listen, we've all done stupid shit and said stupid shit in our lives. And, you know, you don't want it to be a life sentence. You, you, you know what I mean? You've got to you've got to move on. We all grow up. We all mature. And, you know, I think that Tyson Fury, I think he's a decent fella. I think he genuinely is a decent fella. He's, um, you know, look, he went over to Dante Wilder. Dante Wilder didn't want to give him the respect. And, you know, he said that's disappointing, but I don't care. You know, he didn't. You know what I mean? He didn't get dragged into it. You can't look. The few days before a fight, people are going to talk a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Because it's a fight, and people are. You know, I'm going. I'm going to have a fight with you in a few days, so I don't want to be your mate at this point. But I think always after the fights, that he's always. He, he always seems, you know, like a genuine sports person. You know, he's yeah, happy. I, to- yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. 
But um, in terms of his, his his popularity and his dominance now in the heavyweight division, I think it's unquestionable now that he's the number one. The, 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 I kind of think that there's no doubt, you know. And, you know, when you do go back now and you look at everything, you know, when he beat Klitschko, what was that, 216, 215? You know, Klitschko was still the man then. He was, you know. Yeah, he was unbeaten in nearly 10 years. He was the man. And, you know, it, it, it's... Um, he's going to take some beating. I don't see anyone beating him, to be honest. You know, Usyk, it's a funny one, because Usyk and AJ, they, the, the rematch clause has been triggered. But if I, if I was AJ's manager, I'd probably think, you know what? He's a bad fight for you, Usyk. Unless they know something that we don't. I'm, we're looking at the surface. We're looking at that performance. We don't know if he was injured. We don't know if things happened in training. We assume they didn't. Because no, they, I mean, there's, there's, there were rumours of an elbow injury we yeah. heard, didn't we, floating around. But you never really know if that's true, like you say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Look, if he was injured and he couldn't do this and he couldn't do that, and they know that they can do a lot better because X, Y and Z happened in the build-up and in training camp they were hindered by X, Y and Z, then they may well be confident that in the rematch, those things won't happen. We'll get it right. We can, make it, we can improve on that performance. We can beat him. If everything was fine, and there was no injuries. There's no nothing that they can actually think. Well, we can improve on that, or that went wrong, or we were fucked there because of that injury, or whatever. We got let down in sparring, or whatever. Then going on the surface of that performance, I'm thinking, how does he beat him? In my opinion, he only beats him if he jumps on him first round, drags him in, makes a bit like Chisora did, but tries to do that better and make it a haggler. Try and make it a haggler Hearns and just try and you know because I don't think AJ. He doesn't fight like that. I don't think he'd be able to sustain it for 12 rounds. If he doesn't get Usyk out of there, I think he would gas in trying to do that. So he's he's gambling. He's either going to win big or he's going to lose big. But I think he has a chance that way. I think if he stands back and tries to and gives Usyk time and room and tries to box with him and outthink him, I think I think. I think the same will happen again, but I think it'll be even more convincing because Usyk's grown into the weight a bit more every time. He, he, now he'll know he can beat AJ. You know, before he would have believed he could. Now he knows he can. So I just think the rematch is a tough fight where I think if... I'd probably give, I'd give, I'd give Joshua a better chance against Fury than I'm doing a rematch against Usyk because of styles. You know, where... So, so I, no, I still, I still, I still fancy. I'd still pick Fury to win. I would pick Fury to win definitely. I would, but I'm saying Styles. I just think Usyk's a bad fight style-wise for Joshua. And so think, you, you'd go along with what Bob Aaron was suggesting, yeah. which is basically that you know AJ should step aside, let Fury fight Usyk with the guarantee that he'll fight the winner. That, that's what I would do if I was Joshua, as long as I could negotiate the terms that were happy. But I, I don't. They have to sit down and iron that out. But I'm talking from strictly from a boxing point of view. I think that's that's better for AJ. Have a little rest. You've been busy. Let what you know. Let let them let them fight each other. As long, and as long as you're guaranteed the winner contractually, I've, I think that's a better fight for him to, to go. Because uh, I think Fury beats Usyk, and then you've got Fury and AJ. Yeah, I mean. It- yeah, I, I do think that Usyk rematch is, is a bad fight for him. And, and we were talking about it on the way out of Tottenham um, on the night. We were wandering around the streets trying to find our trying trying to find the car that was picking us up. It was absolute chaos. Um, actually, he told us when we did eventually find him, our driver, that um, Jude Law had just offered him five hundred quid to 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 drive him home, and he turned him down because he was waiting for Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. 
Uh, we, we, should have, have, we, should, we should have said to the driver, yeah, give us 300 and you can have two. <laughs> yeah, I'd have, I'd have been totally up for that. I'd have been totally up for that. But with, 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 with Joshua, I just, I don't know if, I mean, we were talking about this last week in the build-up to the fight, me and the um, me and the talk sport guys, that that Wilder was possibly suffering an identity crisis, um, which fighters often do when they lose for the first time, particularly when you've knocked everybody out and, and you're nicknamed the Bronze Bomber and all the rest of it. Wilder then proved to us on Saturday that that he that he's not suffering from an identity crisis. He still knows exactly what he is. He just chose to kind of withdraw during that period. I think Joshua, I think he. I think he is in the middle of an identity crisis as a as a fighter, and I think he has been since the defeat against against Andy Ruiz. Because you hear people say some strange things after fights sometimes, and and one thing I heard of quite a bit after the Usyk fight was, oh, you know, he needs to go back to the old Joshua where he kind of jumps on people and takes them out. And I just thought, he's never really done that. He's never really he's never really done that. You know, he's a, been a brilliant, brilliant finisher. But there would need to be that spark, you know, land one, see that someone's a little bit hurt and then bang, he's in and he does it. But I I just don't know if mentally, I don't know if he can jump on Usyk and do it the way that he needs to do it. Do, do, do you know what I mean? It's like something, yeah, it's, it's something happens to fighters when they lose sometimes, doesn't it? And, and something disappears and it just doesn't come back sometimes. Yeah, well, look, so, so, sometimes when fighters get knocked out, they, when they come back, they're gunshot. Yeah, you know, that happens. Now, yeah, you I just summed it, up in about five words why I spent two minutes trying to explain that. Yeah, <laughs> basically that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but look, I think he did when he fought Ruiz in the rematch. I thought he did the right thing for that fight. You yeah, know, it, you know, why would you get into a mid-distance fight with someone who's got shorter arms, faster hands, and he's just don't hook with a hooker, don't get into exchanges with someone who's got who's better at it than you? So he kept it long. Tied him up close, bucks, move, come in lighter. He made the necessary adjustments. That was the right thing to do for that fight. Pulev, I thought he was better at doing a similar thing. Now, the the problem is, as good as those things were, as good as those tactics were and, and those, that style of fighting was for those two fights, it was the wrong thing for Usyk. You know, you you, you you were able to box Andy Ruiz. He was a short, stocky guy who, who's a hooker. You know, Pulev just weren't as good. You'd do better than Pulev, you know, doing it. But, you know, you ain't going to beat Usyk's better than you at long range, at that fainting, at that in and out, at that half step back, in and out. You know, that's exhausting when you're doing that with someone who's better at it than you and who's, who's used to fighting that way. Mentally, it absolutely drains the fuck out of you. You know, it's like, it, that's why you might see a pay, a fight. When you see fights with guys like that, I remember when I fought Sergio Martinez, fighting at the slower pace compared to, say, the Stern fight, which is the one before where I threw like a thousand punches. There was, so there was no comparison in terms of uh, the volume of the punches and the gruff and tumble and the physicality. But from a brain power point of view, from a concentration factor, the Martinez one was on a completely different level because I had to maintain this discipline of not wanting to go for it because if I'd have just gone into it and tried to be force a pace and find the you know body shut and all that, it'd have chewed me up. I'd have been walking into a like threshing machine, you know, it just got destroyed. So I had to stand back, faint, try and lure him in, take a little half steps, change the angle, faint. But 
the discipline it took to do that and the concentration factor, how focused you've got to be on, it was, it was, it was exhausting. And it drained my battery in a different way to what the Stern one did. Yeah, the Stern one was a battle and I threw a thousand punches and they were, you know, all that. So physically, that was a, a physically enduring hard fight. But the Martinez one wasn't physically hard, but mentally it was exhausting. So Usyk, AJ trying to do that with Usyk, with, with Pulev, he was, he was better at it. So it wasn't as tiring for him. And with AJ, it was tiring, but I, uh, it, was, it was a different fight, sorry, with uh, Ruiz. He just, he just moved, but kept it long. It was just about range. It was about part shutting him and tying him up. Not get, it was just not getting caught in yeah. the distance. But with Usyk, you know, he's a master at that fainting, touching, touching you, edging half an inch with the feet, edging out a little bit, half steps. That, 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 that's tiring. Like, you know, he won the, and he come out and he started fast as well. Usyk, so he put, he, 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 that, that game was on straight away. And he won the first four. Joshua won the fifth and the sixth. Usyk won the seventh. Joshua won the eighth. You know, those, all of a sudden that mid four was where the fight was really fought at because after that, Joshua was gassed. Yeah, he just took it away from him completely, yeah. didn't he? Completely. No, I, 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 I agree with all of that. I mean, one, one thing we have been kind of hearing the last couple of weeks is that he might make wholesale changes training-wise. Um, we've not got any confirmation of that. It's just kind of in the wind. It would be a fairly sort of predictable thing to do after a, a second defeat. He stuck with Rob after the first one, but added... Uh, Angel, Angel Fernandez, and, and Joe B. Clayton. Do you think he will? Do you think he'll look to go to America or, or do something like that to try and, you know, almost reinvent himself or, or rediscover himself? Yeah, look, maybe he might be searching for something new because sometimes a change is as good as a rest and he might be thinking, well, I just need something new. But personally for me, I, I, I think, you know, and I'm someone that's had different trainers, you know, so I know the, the process is like in, changing style and getting to know someone and all the rest of it. But and it's hard and it takes time and it might take a few fights. I don't think leaving Rob McCracken is the answer for Joshua. I, what I think is this with the training situation, either you believe in Robert McCracken 100% or you don't at all. I don't think there's anything in the middle. Either you believe in him or you don't. Do you know what I mean? And if you believe in him, get rid of the others. Because, what, 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 you know, you've got a corner, you've got a trainer here who... You sit down, you're in the gym with him every day. We talk about, you, you know, he'll, he'll decide who you need to spar, what rounds you need to spar, when you've had enough sparring, when you need a rest, when you need to push harder. Like he knows, and he knows you, he knows what you're good at. He knows what you're not good at. You know, it's all right going with another trainer who's good at, he might try and get you to fight a certain way. And that might have worked for him when he was fighting himself, but you can't do that because you don't have those. It's like, it's, I could go with Lomachenko's dad, let's say, to train. But if he tried to, if I, if he tried to get me to box how Lomachenko did, it'd be a waste of time because I haven't got the physical mechanics or physical blessings to do those things that he can do. I, my, my feet aren't quick enough. It's like, you know, Joshua should have just done what Chisora done. But Joshua hasn't got as fast a feet as Chisora. He can't cover the canvas and bob and weave and slip and slide like Chisora did. Chisora's got great feet. He's wicked at getting in on top of his fighters. You know, Joshua's more stand-up straight, technically well-schooled, good jab. So he ain't going to do that. 
So that that shy talk, that that them tactics aren't an option because he won't be able to do them. So it's you know having a trainer. It's like the trainer. You know, in boxing's one thing, but then you've got to know your fighter. You've got you know. So for me, Robert McCracken knows Joshua. He knows what he's good at. He knows what he's not good at. He knows where he's vulnerable. So he'll know what needs to happen that he can do. There's always more than one way to skin a cat. You know, three plus four equals seven. So does five plus two. So does eight plus one. You know, your way of doing things right. So is mine. You know, we've just got to find out how does Joshua beat Usyk? He doesn't beat him by standing back and boxing him. That's for sure. Okay. So what if he jumps on him? Well, okay. Can he jump on him? Can he can he get on him like Chisora did? I don't know. He's never really done that with anyone else. So, you know, it, it's things like that, isn't it? Look, I, I think Robert McCracken is the right trainer for Joshua. He knows him. He's been with him for so long. I don't think that's the right move to get rid of Robert McCracken. I think the, the right move is to get rid of everyone else, get rid of all the fucking voices. And I'm not saying that they're bad people, and I'm not saying that they don't know their stuff, but... Everyone sees it how they see it. You don't, and if we're all, if, if everyone's not on the same page, then it could be very confusing with different opinions and voices. I think you've got to have faith in your man. You sit down, you sort your plan out, your tactics, and then you're fucking up, you believe in it 100% and you go for it. You know what I mean? You're this half hearted. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't see, I don't think that too many voices, too many opinions, not good. Hey, everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! So, we'll just touch on another couple of things quickly before before we wind this one up. This won't be as, as, as long as usual. In terms of what would be next for the two men we saw on Saturday, with Wilder... The Wilder we saw on Saturday, um, and I was talking about this with, with, with Adam Catterall, who I was working with, the Wilder we saw on Saturday, we reckoned would be any other heavyweight in the division apart from the one he was fighting, Tyson Fury. If We don't know whether we'll see that Wilder again because that defeat will have taken something away from him. He might never be the same again now. I mean, that, that's, that's very, very possible. But if he can be and produce the kind of performance he produced against Fury, that heart, that desire, I think he would beat the others. Um, but I don't really know where he goes now. When, where would you? Who would you suggest that Wilder would fight next if he if he keeps going? Which I think he will, because I can't see him wanting to go out off the back of two consecutive defeats. No, but he's had two knockout defeats now, and he's been in two massive fights, and he was world champion before that, and they were all big fights, weren't they? So I think that. You know, he's. it's okay for him now to take a bit of a rebuild fight or two without, you know, he's not going to be under massive scrutiny. You know, he's not defending his world title. He's not, he's not in a, 
He's not going into another fight that's mandated because of a rematch clause. So really, he's, you know, Fury's fighting whoever next. Joshua and Usyk seemingly are going ahead with the rematch. So I think from, from Wilder's point of view now, I think he just has to, um, I think he just has to come back with a win. Just take some time out, get a good rest. That was a pretty brutal fight. Well, it wasn't that pretty. It was brutal. He got, you know, it was a brutal fight. He was knackered. He took some big shots and he got knocked out in the end. So he's got to have a good rest. And then I think come back with an, an easy win, just good win, blast someone out, get his confidence back. And then and then then see then start looking at where he's going to make his move with his manager and promoter and, and see what way he's going to make another move for a world title shot. But I, I think right now, I don't think he needs to go back into a big fight. He's just had loads of big fights. I think just get his confidence back. You know, assuming he was happy with Malik Scott, saw, uh, you know, have a bit more time with him, look at maybe some adjustments we make, tactics, different things. Because don't forget, it's three fights with Fury. You're never going to fight anyone else like Fury again, you know, in any way. No, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, even with the, you know, the build-up and the trash yeah. talking, you know, the, you know. So I think I think just take 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 some take a rest and then maybe get a handy win and, and then let's see where things are. Yeah, I think so long as he can physically recover from it and and kind of move on mentally to the extent that he doesn't spend every day for the rest of his life obsessing about Tyson Fury, I think he can be rejuvenated purely by the fact that whoever he fights next is not going to be fucking Fury because yeah. you know he's had he's had a belly full of Fury. Um, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him fight Joe Joyce at some point. I think that'd be. I think that'd be a tremendous fight, or could be a tremendous fight. Maybe he'd be too much for Joe. Maybe he wouldn't. You know, he's got he's got a hell of a chin on him, Joe Joyce. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think this is the end for Wilder. I hope it isn't because he's been tremendously exciting. Um, Fury. Then um, let's assume that Bob Arum's plan is not going to happen because it's, it isn't, is it? You know, they're they're going to rematch Usyk to Team Joshua. That's going to happen. So if if Dillian White could beat Otto Wallin, there were rumours around on Twitter today when we recorded this on the Monday that that, that fight might not be happening, but I've not seen anything concrete, just some kind of COVID rumours flying around. Um, let's just say it is that it does, and, and Dillian White beats him, which is not a given, but he would be, be favourite, and rightly so. Fury White, I mean, it's a great fight for the UK. I mean, has Dillian White got any chance of beating Tyson Fury? He, he's definitely he's got a chance because he's one of the top, he's, he's one of the top heavyweights, isn't he? But I don't, but like I said, I don't think anyone beats Tyson Fury in the form that he's in. I think he's, he's the number one, and rightly so. But Dillian definitely de- deserves his shot. It's well overdue, you know. He, he he deserves his shot, and and after that, whether whether he can he can pull it off or not, that's a that's a separate conversation. But he de- he deserves his shot now. It's so long overdue, you know. He got knocked out by. Uh, Povetkin in a fight that he was winning on his way to winning, comes back, wins the rematch. He's fighting what Otto Wallin, not a gimme. You know, again, assuming he comes through that, the man deserves his shot now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it'd be great to see Fury back in the back in the UK. Interestingly, on Saturday, I don't know whether people really noticed this, but when Jimmy Lennon Jr. was introducing him in the ring, Tyson, he described him as born and raised in Manchester, England, or something like that but now residing in Henderson, Nevada. So I think maybe he's kind of made the move out there. And I'm not sure. I was talking to Gareth about this, Gareth A. Davis, who, who you know, does know him. You know, he, 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 he's, he spent a lot of time with him. And he was telling me that 
he doesn't really think that Fury's that bothered about fighting in the UK because he doesn't feel like he's ever really been accepted or, or, or loved at home by the mainstream sporting media in the way that he should have been. Um, and that's mainly due to the reaction that his world title win against, against Klitschko got when comments, unsavoury comments, um, for which he was rightly criticised, were, were unearthed. But it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, I mean, it'd be terrible if, if we didn't see him fighting in the UK again. If, if he fights Dillian White and somehow that ended up in Las Vegas, that would be madness. No, exactly. There's, there's one place for that. And that's, that's the, isn't the, I love the fights in Vegas more than anyone, but there's certain fights belong in certain places. And that one isn't one of them that belongs in Vegas. That, that should happen in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. So this was quite a short one today, but we might do a few more of these where, you know, there's a big talking point and we can get stuck into it because there was plenty to to pick the bones out of there. And, and um, yeah, it just occurred to me as I was on my way home that really we should talk about the last the last couple of weeks. We are trying to get back to recording these in person as, as much as we as much as we can, um, and we'll definitely endeavour to do that. But um, we might just mix things up a little bit more and, and give you a few more of these kind of more bite-sized ones. Uh, we'll just see how it goes, you know. It's uh, it's a movable feast, Macklin's take. Um, you know, we fucking decide what, what happens anyway. <laughs> you decide whether you listen to it or not, but <laughs> we decide what, what we do, um, and that's the way it will stay. Um, but your input is obviously always, it's always welcome. It's always more than welcome, and I, and I, and I absolutely mean that. So thank you for listening, everybody. Um, we will catch you again next time. On the right Not that Maggie back in town. I said Jenny Diver, whoa, Suki Tawdry. Look out to Miss Lottie Linger and old Lucy Brown. Yes, that line boy. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.